What makes a law firm? It's about passion, knowledge, understanding, and service. That's what defines Fluxman's. In this podcast series, we take you behind the desks of some of South Africa's smartest legal minds. Darren Moore is one of the partners here at Fluxman's, and he is primarily concerned with labor law. He's also uh, one of those people who gives credit to other people who have mentored him in this field of yes. the law. So it's very nice to meet you, Darren. Same here, Gary. Let's start it off by giving credit, and then we can move on to you. Much more interesting. All right. <laughs> but who do we want to give credit to? I okay. mean, it seems in a, in a firm like this, without being flippant about it, there are loads and loads of very, very smart people. And Fluxman's is uniquely gifted in that it's got people who've been practicing for a long time and who are happy to give advice and to give guidance. And you actually brought it up um, while we were talking that there are people who you feel have mentored you. Who are those people? Yes. So as background, I commenced um, articles here in 1997, February. And when you come out of university, mm-hmm. um, you are not actually schooled in the area of law at all. You might know things from a, a textbook. Theory. Theory. Yeah. But not the practice. And I was lucky enough that at the time that I joined the firm, the employment law department or the labor law department was basically looking at an expansion of getting more younger people in. I think before it was more the domain of the more experienced people. I don't think there were any um, associates or article clerks that were involved in labor law as a a direct specialization. And I was quite lucky that when I joined um, a partner at the time who had just become Come uh, or was becoming an attorney because he'd been a counsel before, Donnie Pretorius, um, took me under his wing and trained me and really told me that I must be a sponge and take everything in. And I went to court and every meeting and I learned from a very, very young age, if you want to call it young, but a, a, from a youthful perspective as a, a, a novice really, how to practice labor law and what happens out there in the real world and particularly in the courtroom. So his mentorship um, took me a long way to, at a very early stage, being quite well equipped to handle myself in a courtroom environment in quite difficult complex issues and with clients. Well, of course, uh, you, you highlight something I think that's very true here, that first of all, there are loads and loads of people who think that the theory is enough to get them through yes. uh, through a successful practice in law. But actually, a lot of it's to do with people. A lot of it is to do with very complicated uh, human interactions yes. and negotiations and things that yeah. aren't in the textbooks, right? That is so true. And more of the success that, it, that you can attribute to a lawyer, I think, is more their ability to be able to interact and engage. And you can be a very clever academic Mm. individual but have very poor personal skills. And in my view, certainly in the area of employment law, I don't think that is a recipe or the ingredients to be successful. I think you do need to have very, very good skills as a human being and appreciate that you are dealing with clients Mm -hmm. who are individuals The court is your audience. Mm -hmm. You have to talk to them and know how to sell what it is that you're selling. So you learn those things when you get into practice, and you're never going to find that in a textbook. 
How do you get out of the office? I mean, how do you cut your, your, your professional and your personal life apart in terms of you've got kids, you, you, yes. you know, you're, you've got a wife, you've got things to do um, that don't involve the law at all. And yes. the law is a very serious thing. And, yes. and you, you can very easily end up taking stuff home that yes. you don't need to. How do you separate them? You, you've got to be a good organizer and a good administrator and know how to manage your time well. And over the years... Do you demarcate things? Yes. I think quite I'm, strict? I'm very good with boxing things, prioritizing. Oh. So... Obviously, you have your working day, but I will prioritize and I will know what has to be done during the day at the mm-hmm. workplace. Either I'm at the office or I'm in court or I'm out of the office in meetings, but I'm very strict with delineating and separating that aspect from what goes on so-called after hours mm-hmm. by interacting and having good quality time with my wife and my children and my other interests because if – your day would just comprise of work, going to sleep, waking up the next morning and doing it again. Horrible. It would be Groundhog Day every oh. day. And I don't believe you can actually be successful and be of benefit in your profession if you are burnt out. Yeah. Because you'll burn out very quickly. And a balance is going to create harmony in that you're giving the best you can to your family and your other outside interests. And then when you come to work, you're refreshed and you look at your work with that type of mindset rather than oh, maybe no. very overwhelmed. narrow, overwhelmed, yeah. bored, and can't then do a good job. Well, you used the word harmony just now, and this, this has obviously got particular resonance for you. You can play the guitar, I believe. Yes. So, Is that one of the hobbies that we make my, time for? So from a very young age... I was very interested in in music and sport. Mm-hmm. So music and sport are my two major passions outside of my of my family. They're both quite broad, I've got they to say. They are broad. And I, I'm definitely an artistic person and I I remember as a as a child I had a little turntable in my bedroom and I would play records and pretend to be a DJ and introduce the songs uh <laughs> as if I were a DJ and I would often say I wanted to be a DJ. That would be a stupid job choice. <laughs> what a terrible career decision. Thank God you went into law. So, I may, I may what kind of idiot would go into <laughs> what? Maybe I disagree with you on that, Gareth. But that's for another time. But I did really enjoy that, and I've always enjoyed music. And and um, when I got married, my wife actually bought a guitar for me for my birthday one year. Did she know that you couldn't play at that stage? Yes, yes, because uh, I didn't play at that. That's stage. brave of her. And I got lessons, yeah. and I learnt. And I taught myself a lot, and I, I downloaded songs from the internet and from YouTube, and I, together with the lessons and watching professionals, when I say professionals, going to gigs sure. on television, whatever. So I'm not, I'm not that. Uh, I wouldn't call myself good, but I'm okay. Possible. And I, but I enjoy it, and I sure. find it as a release, and I'm interested in it, and I could w- listen to a song and go to the internet and uh, and learn the chords, and then. That's very, but it's very satisfying, right? It's very satisfying, and it's creative, and it's a good outlet. Yeah. Because what this is, as a lawyer, is very traditional and is very um, non-artistic or it's more of the left brain stuff. Left brain stuff, yeah. and I have it, and I enjoy it. Sure. And I, um, I get a lot of uh, pleasure from from being able to do that. So, what about sport? So, 
also from a young age, and I think it comes from my father, um, I have an incredible interest in, in football. Okay. And uh, that comes from my father, who was fanatical. Your neighbors with Ari Soldatis? Our here? neighbors with Ari Soldatis. You, you support the same football teams? Different. Oh. The biggest of rivals in North London. So oh. Ari's an Arsenal fan. And you're a Hotspur. And I'm Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, have been probably since about the age of eight or nine. And take it to a very, very serious level. So I'm a member of the club, so in other words, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm a paid-up member, a member card, and I attend a number of matches every year wow. abroad. Okay, so, a lot of people just put a sticker on something. Yeah, no. You're a serious I'm very serious. serious. And, of course, it assists because my wife's family and some of mine are actually resident in North London, oh. and uh, it allows me to also have a, um, another reason to go there. But I, I probably over the years, probably would go four or five times a year to to attend matches. And I've just been over Christmas and my wife and I attended two games at Wembley. Uh, she likes it as well? Yes. Now, is this because you're a really skillful lawyer who's talked her into enjoying the sport? Possibly. Okay. Or that she's just a very supportive <laughs> wife who would be open-minded enough. Sure, you're even convincing her now if yeah. she happens to listen to this. Yeah. Right. yeah. So when she does listen a good lawyer, to this, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, so she lived in England before she met me and Dated guys that, that supported football, but she wasn't, never really knew what was going it, on. It didn't touch a chord with her. You were the magic ingredient. Ah, well, maybe. Oh. And, uh, and so if one has a look at my Facebook profile, one would see that, uh, there are a number of pictures of the, the two of us all, all dressed up in our attire, um, at a particular, at different games at Wembley Stadium, which we've been at recently to, to watch our team and, Sup- uh, superb. And, and it's also filtered down to our kids because, and even today, my well, daughter. Well, you've got to indoctrinate them at an early age. Yes. And even today, my daughter went to school, um, dressed up in uh, some of her supporters' uh, gear. Some people would say child abuse, but I'll, let's say indoctrination. Indoctrination. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, how about your son taking a liking to music? Yes. And this is not in, this, either you have yes. it or you don't, yes. right? So, I think this is a potentially very exciting thing for me because I'm, I would never force anything on my kids. No, not like so, a like a Tottenham Hotspurs. Uniform. No, no, that may have been forced. But the thing with 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 my son was he just. Uh, I think my wife and I were probably watching some music videos on, uh-huh. on YouTube. Um, and one day, uh, one of our favorite bands, uh, who we attend a number of, uh, of concerts of, are the Polytones. Oh, good. And we were playing, it was either the music video or uh, maybe a live version of the song Push Me to the Floor. Everybody knows it. Which comes from Stardust Galaxies, which right. is a very, very big song of the Polytones. And my son just took a liking to that song, and he asked us to play it over and over again. And then he thought that he would want to also play the guitar. Uh-huh. So he saw dad playing the guitar and he saw on the, on the music videos or on the live performances, um, the band members or the, or the lead singer at the time, Con Morby playing, yeah. playing the guitar. And I then thought, well, let me see, because he couldn't play mine. It's far too big. You needed to get and him I have a an electric one. guitar yeah. as well, which is very heavy. So I bought him a, a quarter size guitar and, 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 and he, he picks it up and, really? he, and he can, and there's a photograph in my office with him actually, and you can actually see he's got his hands in the position of a particular chord. And, and wow. even at three years of age, he would strum and he, and he'd know how to do it. Very basic, but he would play 
together with watching well, any particular song or performance on on the television. Well, Mazel Tov. It sounds like you could have a musician in the family. So he's he's in, very inclined to that, and the teachers have actually told my wife, not knowing what goes on at school at home, yeah. they've said to her the feedback that they've given her is that he is a very musical person. Right. So it's not just what he does at home. It's not it's, just the usual where parents think no. their kid is fantastic. Teachers no. think so too. It's been picked up by the teacher and whether, in fact, it is something that will develop, I uh-huh. don't know. But I'm certainly going to encourage it because he loves it and, he, and the smile on his face is, uh, is very gratifying for me as a parent to see just how, how much he enjoys it. Well, it, it occurs to me that you are a real family man. Yes. And I would imagine that there is a, an element of Fluxman's which is a bit like a family. Well, I think that's why I've been here. I'm one of the longest serving, certainly I think of the younger, when I say the younger generation, the, uh, aside from the, the more established, very senior sure. partners, I think of the, of the younger generation, I've been here the longest because I have unbroken service since 1997. So, Do you get a badge or do they give you a, I don't know, a pot plant or a Absolutely. Well, just the opportunity to have a podcast with you so oh. far. I'm sorry, that's scant. But I think praise. I think, <laughs> I think it goes unbroken. <laughs> I think it goes actually, and if you really do analyze it, Gareth, and you break it down. Um, I'm a typical Libran person. I'm a very balanced person. Uh-huh. I like harmony. I like a family close-knit environment. Yeah. And that's the firm that Fluxman's are. And I couldn't see myself at one of these very big corporate firms where they are very corporate, where you are just a number and it's very cold. There are places, there are people that are for that and there's nothing wrong with those sure, types. cold-hearted. There's no problem. Dead inside. Absolutely. Like I'm up against people from those firms and I would never have a, a negative, a negative <laughs> no, word. I'll do it to for you. Just you terrible, can. terrible people. But for me, what works for me... <laughs> This is radio. This is not television, but Mr. Cliff is laughing here a lot. Um, the, the type of ethos that Fluxman's um, portrays is something that I, I feel comfortable with. It's also a place where you have the ability to, to be the, the, the best kind of lawyer you can be, and I suppose to, to chase down the things that you're most interested in, in terms of the law. Um, there must be some clients who are fascinating. There must be some stories behind the scenes that you can and can't tell us about how things have gone right or things have gone wrong. Um, but there's lots of character, right? Oh, yeah. And labor law, um, unlike commercial law or litigation, is a very exciting area and very dynamic and very and can be very hostile because mm. as in family law, when there's a divorce, there's a lot of emotion. Employment law is very much the same. Because if someone has lost their job or is about to lose their job, and you see this often at large-scale retrenchment consultations where often I'm asked um, to assist a, a big employer where due to operational requirements and exigencies, they have to downscale and retrench. Um, there's a lot of emotion there. Yeah. And you might have representative trade unions who are there to represent the interests of the employers the employees rather, and it becomes very, very hostile, very aggressive, and you have to be able to not only apply the law and the principles, but also kind of temper that type of environment, diffuse, temper, because at the end of the day, the emotion is not going to help your client. And yes, you you see that, and certain clients are able to deal with it very well, and others are uh, they almost use you as a psychologist. 
Does it ever break down into open warfare and shouting matches and all of that stuff? Yes, without a doubt. Um, and this is what you don't see on television, yeah. uh, certainly Americanized television, where it's really quite a war zone where, yeah. where there is a large-scale retrenchment underway, which is justified in Bonafide from an employer's perspective. Sure. You don't run a business just to keep people employed. Exactly. There's a quid pro quo. But the unions, will they can't see it that way, and that's worldwide. That's what the unions are there to do. They're there to protect employment. So they will vociferously try and keep their people employed and question every iota of the employer's rationale, and it can become quite a quite a heated environment. And the elephant in the room is that very often the law isn't on the side of the employer. Well, unfortunately... It's tough for the it, employer. It is, and unfortunately, in the South African employment law context, um, the, the system has been set up where... The employer always has the onus to prove it was fair. Yeah. It's not for the employee to prove it was unfair. Or that it's they were even necessary. Exactly. So there's a heavy onus on an employer when you are in a court environment to show that it was fair because the onus is on you. Mm -hmm. So when you say the law isn't on your side, you've got to have your ducks in a row and your preparation has to be absolutely perfect so that your audience, who is the judge, if it's in the Labour Court, or the arbitrator, if it's in the Bargaining Council, or CCMA, basically accepts your propositions and your rationale and justification for what you've done as the employer. And that's a, that's a heavy onus, and uh, it puts the pressure on an employment lawyer, such as myself, or others that do do appearance work, because I prefer to be in a courtroom, unlike a lot of other attorneys who would brief counsel, um, I like to do appearance work. I like right. to be so uh, you would call me, uh, I think in England they call solicitor barristers. I'm also, yeah. I'm also admitted to practice there. So I have some idea of how things work uh, in that environment. And I'm one of those individuals who can, who are, I'm an, an attorney, mm -hmm. but I also enjoy being able to put the hat on of an advocate and appear in uh, whether it be an employment tribunal or the Labour Court. Just one last thing. Um, are, are there any things about these TV law shows that have any resemblance to what the real work of law is? No, no, I don't think so. Um, also, I think they take on a very American um, type of style. There, there are some series which I don't think many people would, would know that are British series. I can't think of, of, of the name right now, which there's, there's a, there's a series which, which, which I think was set in Manchester regarding advocates or barristers there. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a drama about a barristers group. Um, that would probably. It's closer to what you Closer know. to, to what it is like. Um, but there's no, um, there's no suits going on no, here. No, there's certainly no suits. Law is a difficult, difficult profession. It can be very rewarding when you get a good result for a client and really solve a problem. Yeah. And you might solve a problem by being very creative and applying your mind laterally, which, which luckily I've been able to on occasion do. Um, that's rewarding. But generally, it's a difficult profession with lots and lots of pressures from all angles. I'm but so disappointed. I thought you were going to tell me it's, uh, it's, it's sexy, it's adversarial, yeah, it's, a, it's a dramatic. It, no. But that is why being at a firm like this is so important. Because if the base from which you work and the partnership within which you're 
a participant is a difficult place to be, then it makes it so much harder. Yeah. So if from where you, your source is, is harmonious and is a place where you feel comfortable, it certainly makes going out there into the war zone, as, as, I, would, as I would term it, um, so much easier. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Pleasure to get to know you. And the same, Gareth. And, uh, and, and keep up the, the guitar work with your son. I certainly intend to do so. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Fluxman's Attorneys for the Love of Law. For more information, go to fluxmans.com.